If all you ever did was watch and read the news, life would be, well, rather depressing. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I want to share a few news stories today. Some are not so encouraging. Some I really think are encouraging. And a couple of others are indicative of the world in which we live today. If all you ever do is is simply just consume news, and I have to, because of doing this radio program, I spent a lot of time, more than the average individual, watching news, reading news, and not just from one or two sources. I have, oh, about two dozen sources that I I have to check each and every day. Now, many of those sources I oftentimes don't use, but occasionally you find that great gem among the coal, so to speak. Doing this radio program can take its toll. And every once in a while, I'd like to just share some good news, something positive, even though it's increasingly getting hard to find. But one thought did occur to me the other day. I'll be 70 later on this year. And in all those years, I've seen good times and bad, dangerous times, scary times, bad economies. Are things getting worse? In some ways, yes. Are they getting better? In some ways, yes. Are we getting closer to the day that our Lord returns? Absolutely. But we do not know the day or the hour. And so I look at the stories around us. And I try to find the information you can use. Now, just real quick example. There's a story kind of brewing in Georgia. And it regards the Dominion voting machines that are used statewide that were put in by Brad Raffensperger. And they had an expert come in from Michigan, a university professor that showed in a matter of seconds how he could get into a voting machine if he was, quote, in an election booth in a matter of five seconds and how he could theoretically alter the machine. Now, Dominion Voting says, well, yeah, he had the machine for several months to figure this out. So it it possibly can't happen. Brad Raffensperger says, well, our security measures are great. You know, you can't imagine. It doesn't happen. I don't think he knows if it can or can't. He's just trying to protect himself. The one thing that nobody says is, okay, I agree. The professor had that machine for several months to figure out how they work and he had no problem figuring out how to hack it in seconds like if you're in there pretending you're voting but here's something that nobody wants to talk about what if somebody from inside Dominion voting knew how that was done and quietly passed that information along in advance See, that's the elephant in the room that the media does not want to touch. Now, these various lawsuits in Georgia actually predate 2020. Nobody's trying to overturn a prior election. They're just trying to gain integrity in the elections going forward. 
I think the elections in Georgia have been tainted for quite a long time. I do not trust Brian Kemp, and I do not trust Brad Rattenberger. I just have issues with both of those individuals. They're chameleons. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. And believe me, I've spent a lot of my life in the state of Georgia. And until last year, owned a home in that state for quite a long time. So I, I understand Georgia and the politics. And something about Brian Kemp, something about Brad, just never sat right with me from the day the two, well, since the day that Brian Kemp, former Secretary of State, became the governor. And you have to wonder if Brad is looking for that opportunity in 2026. I hope not. I hope that all the rhino class that those two are in become exposed for what they are and the good people of Georgia boot them out. We do live in a very strange world. Like I say, we've had good times and bad times. But the one thing that I do see changing dramatically compared to 50 years ago is how we in the United States, Canada, all of Europe and the UK, Australia, New Zealand. It started first in the UK and Europe, came to Canada, Australia, and then to the US. The idea that God is dead. That was a headline in 1968 in Time Magazine. God is dead. It's all over. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. That was a song from way back in the 19, what, 20s or 30s? Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. We've watched this erosion of people of faith. Now, maybe it is because we never really had that many people of faith to begin with. Many were cultural Christians. Many went to church because, well, it was the thing to do. Many went to church because they're looking for fire insurance. You, you come up with anything you want, but over the years, people felt less embarrassed talking about the fact they didn't go. And I've watched that occur during my lifetime. I can remember when I first moved to a little town in Georgia back in 1975. I can remember being in South Carolina, 1973. Every store in South Carolina was literally shut down. Only a handful of convenience stores were open. And a full-size grocery store was allowed three employees for the limited hours they could be open. And, of course, no alcohol sales of any kind on Sunday, not even in a restaurant. In other words, they had blue laws. Not that I agree with blue laws. I have sound biblical reasons why I don't want the state enforcing anybody's faith. I think people of faith need to enforce it upon themselves. They don't need the state saying, don't do these things on a Sunday. You've got to make that decision. Another story, another topic, another day. So back then, people people that didn't go to church tried to almost cover it up. 
They didn't want to admit they didn't. They didn't want to admit that they were really not part of the family of God. That they were just peripheral, distant cousins who never were involved in the family reunion kind of thing. And as I said, there was a culture. Well, that culture, because of baby boomers, has gradually evaporated entirely. The baby boomers, I'm in that group. I'm what they call midstream, halfway in, being early 1950s. We as baby boomers were given too much by our parents in too many cases. Our parents were the product of the Great Depression and many men that had to go fight in World War II. And to this day, we have no idea of the psychological damage that many of those men faced in such a war as they saw in both the Pacific and in Europe. They saw death and destruction, lack of sleep, had to do things, And remember, these were the people that just been growing up in families suffering the Depression. And so when these these warriors came home trying to get on with their life, like my father, for example, never wanted to talk really about anything that he had had to do in the Pacific. And he never wanted his children to have to deal with with any of the hardships that many of his peers had to deal with or see the horrible things that he had to see. And so many of these families were very protective and they they gave so much to the children because they didn't have it themselves. It became the thing that the greatest generation did for their children. And it was probably the worst thing they ever did. Now, I'm not saying it was all bad. I had parents that required of me and my brother and later my sister when I turned 16 even though we did not need the money trust me I had to find a part-time job after school it was to instill in me values and a work ethic allowances didn't come because I deserved it they came because you earned it around our house There were things that had to be done. We were not a poor family. We were not filthy rich either. We were definitely just average middle class. And there were expectations. Now, thankfully, I was in one of the families where going to church was still an expectation if you lived in that house. Period. There was absolutely no discussion on a Sunday morning. I I wouldn't have even imagined asking the question, can I stay home from church? You just didn't even think about it. It was not in our lexicon at all. It was not how our family functioned. You did not grab any food on the on the dinner table until grace was said. Family devotions, all of these things were a part of my life growing up. But in many baby boomers' homes, and I know it from friends that I grew up with, those things were beginning to fall by the wayside. And thus, many within my generation, especially 
the second half of the baby boomers that start basically 1946 to almost 19, what, 66? Those in the second half are less likely to have been involved in their church, synagogue, whatever the case may be, than those in the first half. But it began to decline. And baby boomers that have been given so much, including a good education in many cases, decent jobs still available when we started out, thought we had it all. And many decided when they got to college, there was nobody saying you had to go to chapel or church. So why bother? And many, many would oh, they would start their families in my generation and, of course, take the children home, you know, the new grandbabies home and get them baptized or whatever the case may be if they were in like a Lutheran church or Presbyterian, Methodist. Maybe when they're 12 or 13, encourage them to go to some revival and make sure that mommy and daddy or grandma and grandpa see their little kid baptized so they can sleep easier at night. That's the world in which we lived. But somehow we've lost touch with even pretending that we're a Christian nation. When Barack Obama years ago made the statement that America is no longer a Christian nation, many people were very upset about that statement. In retrospect, I have to agree that he was right. We had, we had long left that 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 title we had long since walked away we were christian in name only i call that crino just like a rhino we have a crino christian in name only and we're paying a price we're paying a price in morality we're paying a price in broken homes we are paying a price by adopting a deaf culture student at the medical college in Wisconsin, literally had a temper tantrum against ethical decency, and she said, I will leave the state if I'm ever barred from doing full-term baby abortions. In other words, if I can't kill a child as it's coming out of the womb, I have to leave the state. This altar of convenience is what it is. They worship at an altar of convenience narcissism what's in it for me and it's a very depraved nature that the bible describes saw a story about even fox and friends used to watch it ages ago but i haven't watched in a very very long time and you're finding that some that are on like fox and friends you know the friendly program conservative what have you and everything else you're finding even some of them are beginning to back this idea of reproductive rights. Even among those that claim to be conservative, the issue of life is iffy. The issue of life is fluid. And what other absolutes from the scripture will they throw away just to be accepted by the world? Fox and Friends go soft on pro-life. Host Steve Ducey pointed out the idea of reproductive rights is a winning issue for Democrats, so we need to make it a winning issue for Republicans. 
if my party, and by the way, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat, I, I've had enough of the two major parties, to be quite honest, for now. When these parties go soft on issues like life, then you will not get my support at all. I will carefully vote for those that come close to what I believe is right. I know there is no perfect candidate, but there are a few issues on the table that are non-negotiable. Number one, it's the life issue. I will never knowingly vote for a pro-choice candidate, ever. Ever. You, you cannot get my vote. It's impossible, unless you lied to me. I will not vote for any candidate that is soft on, on what the schools indoctrinate our children with. In other words... If they're not firm that school children should not be subjected to anything sexual, anything dealing with gender, these things should be just untouchable by teachers. I mean, all the way through school, it's none of their business. They're not in the business of deciding who is a girl when they're supposed to be a boy or boy or girl or, or, or if they're gay or not. This is none of the school's business. And they should be forbidden by law with extreme penalties if they broach into those territories that do not belong to the school. Children are not wards of the state. They're not property of the state. So that to me is a non-negotiable. And any, and any politician that wants to put any restriction on how my church functions, how I express my faith. Any politician that considers Bible-believing Christians some kind of a threat to the United States, I consider those politicians a threat to decency, morality, and our society because they are the ones that are systematically undergirding it and destroying it. I wasn't going to mention this, but I'll mention it very quickly in passing. Look what's happening in Georgia in one of the Trump cases. You've got a district attorney who hired her lover, a married man, who he hired. she hired him. The next day he files for divorce. He's getting paid around $700,000 in less than two years and is screaming poverty to his now ex-wife and can't afford to pay her anything. And it seems that every time you see him on TV, he's got a brand new $1,000 suit. I counted 12 different ones. Tailor-made suits. 12 grand in suits. I can't afford that. But I guess when you make $700,000, you can take the money you're making and take your boss on expensive vacations to the Caribbean, uh, to, to San Francisco, to Florida, and who knows where else. There are other trips that may be pending that may be discovered soon. They talk about somebody else's issues. You know, the Bible is explicit. Before you try to get the... Uh, the little speck out of somebody else's eye, get the beam or the, the big monstrous thing out of yours. 
in my opinion, if Fonnie Willis is not thrown off this case and ultimately disbarred, there's no justice in America. And the same holds true for Nathan Wade, her lover. If he is not fired immediately, terminated, not another penny, and if his law license isn't at minimum suspended for an extended period of time, if what they have done, which appears to be true, occurred, then justice is dead. You have all these companies getting involved with diversity, inclusion, and equity. I call it DIE. I don't call it D-E-I. I call it D-I-E because we as a society are going to die under the weight of this silliness, this stupidity, and in some cases just de- horrible, horrible ungodly behaviors. That's the world in which we live. And so there are times that it's hard to do a radio program like this, as you can well understand. That's why from time to time I share with you things that I consider good news. We completed four of the six treatments for my bladder cancer. I'm feeling fairly well. I know that I will not for a couple of days. It always happens after. But I know that in literally less than three weeks, my wife and I will be involved with our church, and then we are on a short trip to Florida. We have so many things that are just cannot be put off any longer. Family matters, uh, health matters on my wife's side. Just her regular doctors have been in Florida, and she is so far behind in, in just keeping up with the normal stuff. I have some things I need to do for the church at large and also in engineering at WRMI that I've told them I'd be delighted to help them out for a few days. And I have family that I have not seen in over two years, including a a little two-year-old that was born when I wasn't around. And so the time has come to make that trip. So your prayers are needed. Doing this radio program, talking just about the bad news, if that's all I did, I think I would give it up. But we need to talk about some positive things from time to time. My wife and I, in spite of what I'm facing in health, decided to launch a mission church. And I have zero regrets in doing that. I believe that the church we're building is going to be a very unique little church. I've watched changes since we started. Some people have come. Some people have left. People are getting more involved. God is putting together an unusual group in this church, and they are all what I call a family. They are truly a family. I believe for the church going forward, the idea of big buildings Stained glass windows are going to become less and less as fewer and fewer even bother to attend or be involved in a church. Some mega churches will come and go depending upon the quality of the praise band. The great falling away that began over a half century ago continues at an ever-increasing pace. That's the reality of what we live in. But that remnant church is a committed church 
It is a committed group of believers that take care of each other like a family. And I'm thankful for the family, the little church that I have in Southwest Virginia. And I'm thankful that many watch it online with us on Sunday or a repeat later on during the week. I'm thankful for the opportunities God is giving this little church. Yes, we applied for a small radio station under the window for a low-powered FM. And it most likely will be built sometime this summer. God willing. And we can put it all together. It's not going to be a super high-powered station, but it will reach Marion, Seven Mile Forward, Chilhowie, the area that our church serves. These are great opportunities to, to keep together the family of God. And this radio program, and a Roku channel, and so many other things that God has laid before me. I want to keep myself in, shall we say, good health going forward. And I will tell you, some days it's not easy, but God has been good. Two more treatments, then right after the church, then, well, matter of fact, the next couple of weeks are going to be two weeks from today. I'll be traveling to South Carolina overnight, getting back in time for my church service here in Virginia. Then Monday, we head to Florida, which will be on the 12th of February. Boy, we need your prayers more than ever before. I want to share the idea of the family of God. I want to share some good news more than just giving you the bad news. I can talk about all the terrible things that are happening out there. But occasionally we need to find time to worship, to pray, and listen to that ever still voice of God inside of us. Are you a member of his family? Now, if you believe in our mission and ministry here at Truth to Ponder, as we are going to quickly run out of this month of January, would you consider becoming a supporter? I'll talk about a couple of other things on the other side of the break real quick. But for now, if you can, go to our website, truth, the number two or the numeral two, ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. From there, you can use Give, Send, Go, or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, zip code 24319, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Your personal Passover. Coming up, Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're really going to love in a moment. In Passover, there is the Seder, and in the Seder, there is a book called the Haggadah, which says in it, an interesting thing, it says, in every generation, every individual is bound to regard himself as if he had actually gone through the Passover from Egypt personally. Well, there's something about that. 
You see, you see, that's how it is. Messiah is our Passover. That's what it says in Corinthians. He's our Passover lamb. And the same principle applies to us. You see, one of the biggest mistakes we can make as believers, we look as Passover or what he did 2,000 years ago on Passover as simply something that happened. The cross, it happened back then. No, we got to take it personally as if, as if you went through it, as if you were on the cross, as if you died and rose, as if he was there with you because he was and you were. He actually died for your life. You're, you were actually crucified on that and you actually have risen in, in the empty tomb. He personally set you free. It wasn't just something that happened a long time. It's a personal event to you. If you were the only one on earth, he would have done it. He died and rose 2,000 years ago, but that event happens now. It's as real now as it ever was. And that is your life. It's not just Passover. It's your Passover. It's not just Jesus, Yeshua. It's your Yeshua, your Jesus, your crucifixion, your redemption, your, your Jesus. So Paul said, Messiah, our Passover has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the feast. Yes, celebrate it. It's your Passover and it's there with you today, every day, and even to the end of the age. Want more? Ask for the Feast of Remembrance on CD. Now, the free gift for you, the sands from the sands of Judea to the wings of the cherubim, the awesome from uh, Mystery of the Temple Doors, amazing. It has the hidden writings of the rabbis that prove Jesus, amazing. It's your free gift on CD. Plus, plus sapphires, you're going to love it. You'll find out. You got these free gifts. How do you get it? Easy. Just write down Yeshua, the real name of Jesus, Yeshua, and you call it. For your free gifts, just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now, 1-800-YESHUA, the number one. And I invite you to minister with me together, bringing salvation to God's ancient people, Israel, and beam the word of God around the earth. It's the most amazing way you can spread the gospel through shortwave radio. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. It's 1-800-YESHUA, or Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Just write to the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. That's Box 1111. It's Lodi, New Jersey. It's 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Alechem, peace be to you, my friend and Messiah, Sar Chayim, the Prince of Life. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. A couple of quick things to pass along. No updates to give you regarding WTWW. They had a major failure that may take a very long time, if ever, to repair. On the 5085 transmitter, there may be some other options. And we're talking about them, and maybe in the next week or two or three, we might have an answer. Of course, I may look at other options elsewhere as well. As I said, treatments are going well. Pray for me. It can wear me out a little bit. And like I say, after the sixth treatment, I've got a fast trip to South Carolina and the church here. And then on we go to Florida for a while to take care of some business and get back in March. If you're going to be anywhere near Vero Beach, Florida, Vero Beach, Florida on the East Coast, I'll be preaching at a church in Vero Beach on March the 3rd, and that's before we come back to Virginia. So if you have, if you're anywhere near Vero Beach, I'll give you more information as we get closer to that date. 
but it's Vero Beach, Florida, and that'll be March the 3rd. I'll be preaching at a church there. It'll be a different kind of experience for me, and really, I'm looking forward to it. How many times have you ever said to yourself, I really don't have that many talents. I'm not that good at what I do. I'm not really the best at anything. I'm, I'm just average, maybe even below average. And, and you have this feeling that, what can I give? What can I do? I know early in my radio career, I was good at some things, but I would listen to those great radio voices booming, especially at night on the 50,000-watt AMs, the big, monstrous DJ voices. And I, I thought, could I ever be that good? Will my voice get a little bit deeper as I get a little bit older? And I really wanted, my, my goal in life was to be a major market announcer. Well, I got to do it for a while and realized it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And God just opened doors to learn more about the business and even the engineering side of the business. In other words, consider it a full education of all things radio and radio broadcasting. And again, God took that experience and I now use it all for his glory, for his kingdom. I never made it to be the big top 40 announcer at the big station. But what I'm doing now has a greater value for eternity. Don't ever say there's nothing you can do. There is something that God can use even you for. Don't ever say, but God, I can't. When Jesus started his earthly ministry and he assembled his group of disciples, he didn't choose the wisest and the greatest among them. He chose the least. Trust me, he can use you and I. I shared a message on that very topic with my church, Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Forward, and I welcome you now inside the chapel for that message. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time, as we gather around your word, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what you have for us this day. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Matthew, if you look at the various Gospels, we'll start with Mark here because this is what we read from today. When Luke writes something or Matthew writes something, they go into a lot of detail. Mark is what I call the Reader's Digest of the Bible because Mark just gets right to the point. Jesus did this, he did this, and he did this, and on his way he went. The other ones have got to give you the entire backstory of every little thing going on. Mark gives you the outline, all the way from the beginning, all the way through his writings. In our reading today, we see how Jesus approached Simon, Andrew. And, and you notice that all Mark records is Jesus walks up, follow me, and then they just get up and go. And the same with the rest, you know, follow me. They got up and go. The other Gospels say there's a little bit more to the story. Jesus gets there with Simon and company and Andrew. And he says, you're fishermen. 
Yeah, it's been a bad night. We shared this last week. I just want to kind of remind you again. Well, throw the nets out one more time. Are you out of your mind? Fish are gone. Okay, we'll do it. Just to shut you up. They did, and the boat about sank with all the fish that came on board. Then Jesus says, I'll make you fishers of men. Leave it behind and follow me. And they did. You know, notice that Mark didn't bother with that part of the story. He just went right to Jesus came, said, follow me. And they did. The same is true with all those that Jesus called. There was a little bit of an exchange besides just, hi, follow me. And off they go. In essence, that's what they did. They did forsake all to follow him. Oftentimes, and this is really, it's not a very long message today, but I want to just drive this point home as much as I can. Jesus calls us, and and I don't care what anybody says, and I said this last week, and this is what I want to build upon today. Jesus does not necessarily call the qualified. More often than not, he qualifies the called. I said that last week, and I want that to really sink in. There are people that I have met that thought they never could amount to anything in God's economy, in God's kingdom. I don't have an education. I don't have this. I don't have the other. Well, guess what? Neither did Simon, Peter... Neither did Andrew, neither did any of them. The only two that had anything that resembled an education was Luke. And he writes a lot, and he's one of those, you know, you've got to throw in all the detail. And Matthew, the tax collector, who is into numbers, figures, and a lot of detail, and lineology, and everything else. Matthew's whole beginning is who begat who to get to where we are. A guy that's used to census taking and knowing who's in the population would tend to do something like that. Jesus once looked at Simon, who became known as Peter, and he asked him a question. And I know that we'll get to this some other time later this year, where he says, Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Then feed my sheep. Okay. A little while later, Jesus goes, Simon, do you love me? Well, yeah, I just told you so. Then feed my sheep. A little while later, Jesus goes, Simon, do you love me? And you can see probably the expression on Peter's face. Why do you keep asking me this question? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep, and then he makes a pronouncement. That's when the name Simon disappears and it becomes Petra. We know it is Peter, the rock. Upon this rock I shall build my church. Now, when you look at Andrew and Simon, where they came from and what, who they were and what they had, they were just lowly fishermen. They were the bottom of the rung, so to speak. This was you know, hard work career. And it was, as they say, feast or famine. Some days you had good fishing, other days you didn't. 
Some days you had money, some days you didn't. And you, it was backbreaking work and you had to do it at night. You didn't even get to sleep normal hours. It was not an easy job to do what they did on the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus chose him, Simon, and who became Peter. And as you go into the book of Acts, you see the incredible leadership position that Peter takes in Jerusalem, along with the other apostles. He became kind of the go-to guy. Notice, as I said last week, Jesus didn't look for the most educated person that knew all about the scrolls and knew all about Isaiah, that knew all about all of this, that, and the other and could tear apart the Psalms and understand the prophecies. He picked the lowly fishermen that could probably barely read or write if he could at all and chose to manifest himself through his 12 chosen apostles. He does that with us today. When, when you think about people that have been great in God's kingdom, most of them came up from some of the lowliest backgrounds. There was once a young guy that his life wasn't really going anywhere, and he happened to be in a church and heard the gospel message and yielded his life to Christ made that commitment and as he started living his life he heard that call on him I want you to proclaim my name I want you to be a preacher I want you to be a preacher and I want you to be an evangelist and his reply was I'm not good enough for that I mean look where I come from I can't talk to all these people but he answered God's call and he decided, okay, there's a Bible school not far away from where I live. And so he went there, went there for the first year, lanky kind of guy that he is. And one of the professors at that university told him, you ain't got what it takes to be a preacher. You just don't have it. And you won't amount to much. And if you did become a preacher, you'd be in some little backwater country church in the mountains of the North Carolina or Virginia and never to be heard from again. Well, it, it kind of crushed his spirit to hear that from people that were learned, that had experience, that, that had pastored and preached in big churches. So he thought about it and finally decided to Okay, I'm going to go to, go to a school that maybe where I can work and and learn and and maybe that's what I'll do. I'll be I'll just be a little preacher guy in some little church and maybe be a part time farmer or something to make ends meet. So he went to a little Bible school down in Florida near Tampa, and when he graduated, he went to a couple of churches and people said, "Boy, you're not a bad preacher." See, God used this lanky, unknown kid from North Carolina. His name was Billy Graham. He was told he doesn't have what it takes. 
He comes from a backwoods family. He doesn't have anything. God put into him who he was. It wasn't his talents. He was God by the power of his Holy Spirit upon somebody like a Billy Graham. I bet you a thousand dollars, I shouldn't be saying that, but I, if I had it, I could very safely win this bet. I bet nobody knows the name of that learned professor that told Billy Graham, you ain't got what it takes, go back to the hills of North Carolina. He's probably an obscure note in history. The only way we'd know it, Billy Graham probably put it somewhere in a biography or autobiography or something. Otherwise, he'd be lost to time. Even, and I'll tell you this, I can remember, and this is not brag, this is once again a God thing. When I first answered the call to the ministry, I thought it would be a very limited one. Okay, well, it's going to be a little bit more than limited. And I, I can remember when I was being told how much study and how much work I was going to have to do. And I'm like 40 years old. Getting ready for my, it's right before my 40th birthday. And I'm going, Lord, I, I, I have a full-time job that demands a lot of travel. And, and now I've got to be doing all of this study and, and for the next four or five years of my life. And I can remember this very smug, I'm not going to say his name, clergyman who is on what's called the examining chaplains group thinking a person like me, it's going to take you at least three or four years to go through this, and you'll probably fail, but it'll be diagnostic so you can go back and do it for two or three more years, and maybe you'll get through the process. And I thought about it, and I said, Lord, is this really what you want me to do? And I talked to the guy that said, you really need to do this, and I said, what do you think? He said, said, start, see how the journey goes. If in a few months' time you know it's not for you, then we'll just rethink this. So I started, and somehow God gave me this super burst of energy, ability, and my, I mean, I blew out my eyes. That's why I wear glasses from all the reading. Before that, I never wore glasses. And writing and typing. Thank the Lord for computers and word processors for all the paperwork I had to generate. Eighteen months later, it dawned on everybody I had completed all the courses that they thought would take three and a half to four years. I was done. Not only was I done, I passed everything with flying colors. And the smug guy was like, hmm, what are they? And they knew I didn't cheat. No way to do it. And then I was ordained to the ministry. Now, my background had been, I mean, what, what is my experience to do all these great things for God? I was a top 40 disc jockey in my younger years. Whoopee! By the way, today is National DJ Day. 50 years ago, I was spinning the hits. Wondering where my next job would be because back then you didn't stay long in a radio station. They changed formats, they changed personalities, unless you're in the big cities. And I had this goal 50 years ago I'm going to make it to a big city and I'm going to be a big time DJ. I'm going to either be in Cleveland or Detroit or, or New York City or Dallas or Atlanta. And I did make it to Atlanta. 
did make it to a high-powered radio station and woke up one day and said, this is not a good way to live. Too insecure. And so I made the decision to change and over the next three years move to the engineering side. But God could take the likes of me, somebody that gave his life to him at a young age, and be patient and wait till the time was right to say, hey, Bob, or Robert, follow me. Me? <laughs> I'm not. No, I, I don't have the degree. I don't have this. I don't have... Excuses. All of it excuses. Every bit of it. No, no, no. I Follow me. Now, my ministry, I, I've never pastored churches of thousands of people. But I have started churches from nothing that still survive. I have seen churches that were nothing that grew, and I've watched what happens when you forsake the Word of God and you watch the church die. I've seen it all. But God has used me in a different way. I reach more people outside of the building than I do inside of the building. That's why I wear this little thing whenever I preach. And I've been doing that now since 2002. I have no idea. Well, I do sometimes. I have no idea of who listens to these messages or who watches these messages or how we impact families each and every week. I, I never know. Except when I get that occasional email. Heard from somebody this morning that he and his wife listen to my daily radio program and the Friday program had last Sunday's message on it. I always use that on the Friday program in the second half. And it's one of those things that touch their hearts. I had several people reply. By the way, you, you'll, love, you'll love this. I want you to hear this. And I think I mentioned it to you. One of the people that watched and listened said they almost cried with the beautiful sound of children. We have a mission. This church is called. And I'm realizing today, as we have gone through this process of people through, that God is bringing together a family of people that are going to work together wonderfully. And whether you know it or not, and I mentioned this to my wife the other day, everybody in this room may not know it right now, but you are called. God has called you. Will you answer that call? I'll close with the same little hymn verse that I shared last week, and I, I should have written the lyrics down. And, and this one verse, and I didn't share this verse, that, that kind of talks about the things you think you can't do if you cannot... If you cannot raise the wicked, if you cannot preach like Paul. This is from that hymn, Hark the Voice of Jesus Calling. If you cannot raise the wicked, if you cannot preach like Paul. You can tell the little children that Jesus died for them and all. 
for loud and long the master calleth. Rich reward he offers thee. Let me never hear you saying, you know, let me hear you saying, here I am, Lord, send me, send me. My prayer today for you, as we get ready to pray for Christ's church and the needs of all here, what's God calling you to do? You may think, well, I'm, I've always felt I should do this, but I, I, I don't think I can. You want to bet? You want to bet? What did Paul say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If anybody has no business standing in front of a congregation, because I don't have the pedigree, I don't have this, and I don't have the other, I shouldn't share this story, but I will. This is my closing point. I can remember being in a church. Well, we wish we had somebody with extra earned doctorate degrees. Well, they've got a person that does that now. And if you want to be able to get dental work done without anesthesia, just listen to this guy preach. He says nothing. But he's got the degrees. And they're happy because the church is no longer challenged to do anything. Except just come together and pretend that we're special. This church is special. Because God called this family together. And family... We are. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. Oh, just to belong. Just to belong. Just to belong. Just to belong. In a family. In a family. God's family. God's family. Just to be one. Just to be one. Of his daughters and sons. On each face, on each face. 
your precious inside when we sing our Father's praise. In God's family, there's a place for me. In God's family. Whoever you are and wherever you are, never, never fall for the lie, I'm not good enough. I don't have anything to give to God's kingdom. I don't have any talents worth using. God can and will use you if you let him. He wants you to be in the family of God. I want you to be in the family of God. You can find out more about this ministry, even the church where I pastor, from our website, truth2ponder.com. That is truth, the number two, the numeral two, ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. There are tabs on how to hear the program on radio as a podcast. There is information about the church. And if God should so move you, would you consider maybe supporting this radio ministry for the first time? There's also a tab for support. There you can see how to use Give, Send, Go, a Christian crowdfund sourcing organization, very secure, online. Or if you prefer, you can make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510. That is Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, and the zip code 24319. You can also contact me if you have questions about how could God use me. Feel free to go to the website or use the U.S. mail. I'd be delighted to answer your question. Once again, our mailing address is Ancient Word Radio, and that's also what you make a check or money order payable to if you're supporting us. Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, and the zip code in Chilhowie, 24319. That's 24319. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world. <laughs>